0: Hello and welcome to Second Chance Podcast. I'm Raphael Rowe, your host. This podcast series explores the theme of second chance. We raise questions about who deserves a second chance, who decides who gets a second chance and what a second chance actually means. We speak to people from all walks of life about their experiences, including those who have been given a second chance and some who you might believe are beyond deserving a second chance. Before I introduce my guest today, I wanted to ask you to support the Raphael Rowe Foundation. The mission of the foundation is to end dehumanisation of people in prison and build safer societies. We work with those who administer prison systems throughout the world and inspire them to abolish dehumanising, degrading and dangerous practices, putting more emphasis on the health, education and rehabilitation of those in their care. In many prisons across the world, basic human rights are not being met and systems are collapsing, causing overcrowding, rising violence, suicides and drug issues, making it difficult to rehabilitate inmates and reintegration back into society. I know this because if any of you have watched my Netflix series Inside the World's Toughest Prisons, you would have seen what I'm talking about. If you want to help, please visit the website at www. RaphaelRowFoundation.org and register your support for the work we're doing. And if you can afford to make a donation to help our mission, please click on the donate link on the website, which will take you to our GoFundMe campaign. Thank you. Now my guest today is Matthew Allman, a talented musician from Barbados, who I first came across when I was sent a demo of his singing two songs about me. For the first time, Matthew talks about his mental breakdown and being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. People with bipolar experience both episodes of severe depression and mania. The experience of bipolar is uniquely personal and it's said that no two people have exactly the same experience. For Matthew, it led to him being institutionalized in an asylum in Barbados, where he was kept in isolation and medicated. Matt, thanks for coming in and, and, and joining me today. Thank you. Um, I know that you did some songs for me, actually. So that's yeah. the first <laughs> thing I want to talk about. You know, Raphael. Yeah,
1: Raphael Road, I don't wicked. know what he has been through.
0: Unbelievable, man. You did two of them for me. Yeah. And yeah. I do appreciate that. And well, for I'm those who are listening, it. how did that come about, Matt? Because you did these two songs, having learnt about my experience of being mm. a wrongly convicted prisoner and you were approached by a very talented guy called Amit who asked you to, to put yes, something together Amit. and
1: you did. Yeah. You know, well, you know, I met Amit in Zara and he just exuded this presence of, no, you're here almost. It's like, because he just has this ability to, 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 to get people sucked into his, into his world of, of film and, 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 and podcasts and stuff. And he, he asked me to, to, work on your, your song because he was doing your um, documentary. We thought, Hey, Matthew, you're a good singer. I got this idea. I want to take a song, one of these really cool songs from the nineties and throw it on top of his podcast as an introduction, one of these introductory uh, themes. So I said, all right, fair enough. Um, I'll have a listen. Listen to the song. It was No, No, No by um, Don Penn, right? Song I always liked. And then I watched your interview and I was so moved by everything that you went through. And to some extent, I, I tried to almost imagine myself in your shoes because I've had my own small stint of being incarcerated, but in a different scenario. So I tried to use a bit of that with what you've gone through and your story and how hard it was for you and your mental issues and just the 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 problems that come with somebody who comes out of prison who someone who has been in prison and had been in prison for a reason that they they, they 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 had nothing to do with you know they just they they made a mistake and or in your situation you didn't even make a mistake but you, sorry, my. This is where my mind gets all clouded. This is where my. How did
0: how did Amit
1: know that you had this talent
0: for singing? Were you well, there in Zara singing? You
1: know it- what's funny? Okay, you know what's funny. Amit told me he saw me performing in the road because I was um, I used to perform from time to time at bars and stuff like that. Basically, just when I got here to um, England. I wanted to get my performances going. I'm a singer, songwriter. I wanted to get far into the music industry. So I decided, hey, things are a bit difficult. Told my wife, I'm going to go and start busking. Because I wasn't getting the gigs I wanted at the time. My wife was a big fan of it, but she said, go ahead. So I live in Slough. I decided I'm going to go and busk on Pescott Street. Once I got to Pescott Street, started busking, started getting in the vibe and getting people going. At some point, the Prince of Windsor, Amit, <laughs> passes me and I guess he spots me. And he's a guy who knows how to spot talent, right? And that's what he always says. I don't think that, you know, I'm the biggest talent, but I get where he's coming from. Mm. So he spots me. And I guess it clocked in his mind, hey, this is a good guy. So then we met in Zara just by chance. I was in Zara just getting some threads and he happened to see me, talk to me about my singing. And then he also introduced me to your um, situation with your documentary and, and your life and what you've been through. And I found it so intriguing that I decided to write the song. And that led
0: to Raphael.
1: That led to Raphael. Yeah, Raphael. I it's a bit hard to fit it in right but it, it, it.
0: Well, you did a fantastic <laughs> you. job and it's a and bit I, funny to fit in i'm gonna steer my listeners to listen to it you you mentioned that mm. you came to the uk where did you i mean i can detect you have an accent but you tell uh, me yeah. where are you from and why did you end up coming to the uk from wherever it is you're from
1: well a lot of people think that i'm from the us but i'm from barbados that tiny little country in the Caribbean. You forgot beautiful, tiny little country. Well, it is a beautiful... Oh, God, yeah, no, that, that goes without saying, right? But it is a tiny little country. Beautiful beaches, beautiful people you're representing. But um, that's where I'm originally from, Barbados. I went to school at Mare School. If anybody knows a bit about Mare School, they'll also know that Rihanna went to Mare School. So I was a year above her. So, fun little fact, when Rihanna was, she was training for a pageant that we have at school every summer. And at that pageant, she wanted to sing a song. And I kind of helped her with the singing of the song. And then she performed that song at the pageant. And that was a pageant where I think a guy called Evan Rogers. I may be wrong on this, but I think Evan Rogers was there, and he was the guy who signed Robin Rihanna Fenty to Def. I think is it Def Jam? Yeah. Jay-Z's Records. Wow. So I don't are, are, think are she'll saying, ever I don't think she'll ever gonna, admit it. I'll just tell you that I was no. Say, you I don't think to she'll ever process. admit it. But to be fair, I remember this a hundred percent. She was in um we were in the um what do you call that? The auditorium. Mm-hmm. And she was singing this song. And I could sing as well, but I wasn't really that good at that time. And she was pretty good as well. But I was helping her just from the little understanding I had from singing, growing, being grown up in the church and, and, you know, doing performances at the Salvation Army. Because that's that's the church that I grew up in. And, you know, my sisters also, they used to sing. One of my sisters also went to Convermere. And she used to perform with a group of girls at that time when um uh, girl groups and boy groups were like a thing. That was around the time of like Boys to Men, TLC... You, you mentioned that
0: you're, you didn't recognise your own abilities or talents there, yeah. whereas Rihanna was spotted and she's gone on to yeah, be she's, the biggest, yeah, and all the things well, that have come from that. And you must take credit wherever you can. Hope she yeah, I got, I got to a snippet. I got a snippet wherever. <laughs> where did it lead to for you then? Where where did that moment lead to you? School and life in Barbados.
1: Well, I decided that I wanted to do singing full time. I wanted to become a performer. I wanted to get into the music industry. So I had some friends, they had this group called Azman. A Z M A N, Azman. And between myself and these guys, they would do this thing called fling. It is the Bayesian version of rapping. So it's like rapping but in a in a Barbadian accent. Like did 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 did," like that, right? And it was doing well and I would sing on top of their tracks. But unfortunately, Azman didn't, um, even though the guys, they got everything um, to a point, in Barbados, because it's so small, if you don't have the big audience to keep you going, you fall off. Right. And I think that's what happened with them. They had a bit of an audience going. I was singing with them and they fell off. So because of that, I still wanted to keep performing. So I got into a band. So I had this band called DQ. It was my first band that I was in. I was the lead singer. My sister was also in the band because I wasn't fully confident in my voice yet. So I got her to also sing with me. And that's where I really started to expand more on my musical understanding and develop my musical talent, basically.
0: Where did that lead to? Where did you you, you end up? Because you, you, you talked about leaving Barbados at some point and coming to the UK and busking where you met the Prince of Windsor, etc.
1: Yeah,
0: no. Why did you leave <sighs> Barbados to come to the UK? I left
1: Barbados because I got married to my wife, who um, I met at a gig in Barbados. She came from England. We met at one of my gigs, a place called Santee in Barbados. It's no longer called Santee. But it was um, a place that I would perform every Sunday. And, you know, things between me and her got really close and we flew out. But before all of that happened, I got when I got into my band, the band did well. And then it did well for a while. And then again, if you don't have the popularity, if you don't have people behind you, you brace down. And that's one of the major problems that I find in a small country. If you don't blow up massively, or if you're not blowing up massively in the style of music that is popular in the country, you don't get very far. Right. So that's what happened with my other band, DQ. So then I started singing by myself. And then I was singing with a small little band called 1359. It was myself and a guy called Chris Goodridge. And we just did this like acoustic covers number where we would just sing cover songs to hotels and restaurants And eventually that's where I met my wife, through that avenue. And that's how I ended up getting to England and meeting Amit and now meeting you. It's not
0: always been plain sailing, even though you've had your struggles with, mm. with the success of being the talent that you are in singing. Mm. Tell me about the, the rougher roads that you've been down because, you know, now you are a stronger person, but I know you've had some mental health issues. Tell me yeah. about where that started and what triggered that.
1: Well, it is definitely a rougher road that I think a lot of men don't really like to talk about. They don't want to explore it. And in a a Caribbean culture, a black Caribbean culture, there is a heavy negative stereotype with mental health because you're considered, you know, the village nut. You know, if if something goes wrong. And unfortunately for me, I fully snapped. So how that came about, in 2016, that's when I met my wife. And at that point in time, just before I met her, I was going through quite a difficult period in my life. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I wasn't really sure what my direction in life was going to be. I ended up meeting my wife, Joe. How old was you at this time? I was, I think around, I was 28, going 29. Yeah. Met my wife, Joe. But during this time, I thought that, I should start to, if I didn't know where I wanted to go in life, look inward. So I got very heavy into meditation and into understanding the self, understanding one's ego, understanding your place in the universe almost, because I I felt a bit lost. I didn't know. Because everything I tried to do when it came to music all seemed to just fall away. And it becomes quite depressing when you're constantly in a situation where you feel as though you're getting somewhere. And every time you get to a point, it just falls away. So with that kind of depressed mood in mind, I wanted to lift myself out of it. So I started to get um, uh, I started to listen to, 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 videos and recordings from people like Alan Watts, a gentleman by the name of Muji, some people might know um, Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. Um, He's another um, very well-known spiritual leader in a sense, or spiritual guider. And I was also smoking a lot of weed at that point. So I was using the weed to help relax myself and I was getting very heavy into the spiritual and understanding of myself. And it caused it caused a lot of feelings that I didn't know how to deal with to come up within inside me. And I'm not sure what happened but I I just snapped. There was a, I'll, I'll tell you this, there was a scenario in which I was sat at home. This is what really, I think this is what really sent me. I wanted to stop smoking. I felt like, okay, Matthew, you're in a situation now. You're starting to understand yourself. You're starting to, 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 to understand your place in the world because you've been doing meditations. You've been trying to understand that, you know, the, the, the mind and the body are... They seem like two separate things, but they 're really just one connected, and I was just going through all of these different at that time ideas in my head mm. about what I mm. thought being human being being a human being was because I was lost, I felt very lost, and I said, "I need to snap the addiction I have." So I remember doing this thing. It might seem really weird, but I started to imitate smoking. So you didn't have a spliff? I didn't have a spliff in my hand, but I was just... I'm thinking about these affirmations. And, And the weird thing that happened is I started to become high when I wasn't smoking. I think that could have been a trigger for what was then diagnosed as bipolar. And I didn't know. And the problem with bipolar... Is when you start to get a high off of a bipolar episode, your brain starts to, let me see if I can put this in another way. Imagine if I looked at your book. In a bipolar moment, I'd see Raphael Rowe, Notorious. And then I would recognize there's not, and then there's this right, And then I'd be like, so why is he not and the I highlighted? And then my brain would start to analyze that and tell me something about that. And then I believe that that is true. And as you, if you have a brain that always tells you that any time you think of something, however you think about it, must be true. It can be an extremely liberating and an extremely frightening experience all at the same time. Depending on what that Depending truth is. on what that truth is. Because... If your truth is that not i is really a, 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 a- it's it's a hidden meaning of what um raphael is really trying to say so when I look at your book and i say raphael Ro notorious but it says not i it means he's not notorious, but his situation was notorious mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that may actually be true but then I think that any time I analyze anything like that, that is exactly what it is. And where it gets scary is when you your brain then says this is what the world has been trying to tell you, but you never noticed. I don't know if you can understand that kind of thinking.
0: Kind of. But how did it manifest for you to the point where it as you say, broke you, broke you to the point well, where what you need you can't
1: help. you can't trust anything you think. But is this because, Matthew, you hadn't been diagnosed with bipolar? I, at I, this I was point? never diagnosed, but I found out later on that my family had a history okay. on my dad's side. He had a history. Well, his his mum had a mental condition, and he himself had a bit of a break, but he never spoke about it. Right. I only found this out when I got thrown into our. Uh... Ugh, I sometimes I don't know if you're really like talking about it because the the place that you are housed in at the psychiatric hospital it's not a welcoming place in Barbados.
0: And is that because, as you said, the the stigma of having a yes, mental yes, health... but not only just the
1: stigma, the building that the you were housed in, I think used to house uh I think it was uh um, attached to a great house so I think and I could be completely wrong but I need to get my history a bit better on this but what the uh, the Barbadian government did they took a a place that was a great house that had all of these like stables and like Holding areas mm. and turned it into the mental hospital right, but if you can imagine i, I don't know if you've ever heard or the uh, understood the concept of things having memory when you're speaking about mysticism that's the best way I can mm. put it mm. um, some of the teachings state that every object has a memory like your your face is a Memory of your mummy or dad, yeah, in a sense, yeah. you understand. It's a biological memory. It's a but biological it's a, yeah, you're memory. So tra- the chair, this chair, is kind of like a memory of what the first chair was, but yeah. it's just all different Reproduced. reproductions yeah. of this particular yeah. thing. Yeah. So if you're in a place that the memory is, it was built around slave time possibly housing indentured servants or mm. slaves or people who've been oppressed. And then you're now in this place mm. as a men, uh, you know, uh, uh, and this is supposed to help with your, your, your mental faculties. And then you find out that this place used to be a place that housed, right. you know, right. possibly slaves or prisoners or whatever. Yeah. It, it it can really mess with you.
0: Can, can you remember, do you feel comfortable sharing what, happened for you to be taken into that institution. Yeah, that's
1: right. So there was one day where, and I want to get my memory about it, um, because since then, and you can recognize I have a bit of difficulty speaking about this, and and just speaking generally. Since, Since having this mental break, I have found that my thoughts are a little harder to articulate. So you will find that as I speak... It may be a bit difficult for me, for me to articulate my thoughts, but the the, the real massive big break, breaking point, because there were several moments because when you're bipolar, you have a, mm. you have your ups, mm. your, sure. your ups and your downs, your sure. ups and your downs But the major up and major down was I was by some of my friends at night, and we were sat watching uh, Batman versus Superman. And for some reason, in this moment, I thought everything that was happening on the screen was what was happening to my body. Don't ask me why. But my mind told me everything that's happening on the screen is a representation of what is happening in your body right now. And it absolutely freaked me out. Because imagine you're watching Superman and Batman fight this monster. What was his name? Um doomsday and you're thinking doomsday is everything that is wrong in my body and superman batman are all of my antibodies fighting this thing off i have no idea why my brain would have said that but this is what my brain was telling me so i got so paranoid and so freaked out i got in my car i left by my friends and i flew home i was wearing a chain similar to this with this arm sign and i i I can speak to you a bit about this later on, but as I was driving home, I felt as though the chain that I was wearing got heavier and heavier. I pulled the chain off and threw it out, the, out of the window as I was driving. I got home, took all of my clothes off. This I can remember this vividly. Took all my clothes off, went and lay down and um, lay down in bed. Put my hands on my chest. Similar to um, somebody who's in a coffin and said, if I'm going to die, just let me die now. Please, just let me die. Just let me die. Just let me die. Just let me die. Because my brain at that moment was telling me this may be a good place and a good time for you to experience what life is fully about. But in order for you to fully experience it, you must die. It is such a disturbing, yet almost beautiful acceptance at that moment.
0: There's lots of people have have those thoughts. What happened to you at that moment? Did you attempt to take your own life?
1: No, or... I didn't. I I I said, and I've always made this a thing in my in 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 since I was young. I'm not going to ever take my life. Mm. I'm going to let life take my life. Right. Right. So in that moment, I had my hands on and I, I was just saying, OK, I'm just going to allow life to take my life. I'm going to allow life to take my life, take my life, take my life, take my life. My wife, who was she was um, by a bar doing a quiz at the time she couldn't she wasn't able to get in contact with me. She f- panicked, got um, got one of her friends to drop her back to where we were staying, which is where I was. She came home, saw my clothes Basically in the road Freaked out, ran inside And saw me basically in bed rocking Saying, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die I'm gonna die She, the beautiful soul that she is, Joe, She just came She sat down, she held me She started to talk to me She started to explain, Matthew, you know what Just calm down, just calm down, just calm down And she worked me through it She ended up laying In bed next to me And we went to sleep and then I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, looked at her and I thought she was dead. I thought I was, I thought I was a liar and everything was dead around me. Having a bipolar episode is one of the scariest things that will ever happen to human being if it ever, if they ever experience it. When I'm going through this, I think my wife is dead I call my dad somebody who I've had mixed feelings about from since I was young because uh, you know I never really felt he was around because he wasn't mm. I never had a good structured relationship with him you know I didn't I didn't understand what it was like to be a man's man in a sense because my role models one was my dad one was my uncle and my uncle as though he was though he even though he was a man's man he never represented it in the way that I thought was the best way that you could. So that's a different story. But I called my dad, told him what was going on. He tells me, come and let, and, and, and to see him. I don't know if that's a good thing because I'm tripping. I get in a car. I drive to my dad. <laughs> I meet my dad in a gas station. I kid you not. My dad asks me, okay, Matthew, is everything alright what's happening I said dad I'm hallucinating because at this point I'm actually hallucinating I'm hallucinating he says okay Matthew go inside buy a coke a bottle of coke and then come back to the car I go inside I buy a bottle of coke I look at the cashier the cashier looks like she looks like a person who is she looks like a zombie that's the best way I can put it she looks like a zombie to me my mind is gone and I'm just telling myself, Matthew, try to hold yourself together because you know you've lost your mind. It's a very weird thing when you know that you've lost your mind. And you can't do anything about it. Mm. You just know you've lost your mind. So I picked um, the the, the uh, coke up, went back to the car, spoke to my dad, explained to him what was happening. We, he, we started to drive around the area where the gas station was which was in a place called Warrens in Barbados. So there are a lot of highways. So you could. I just pulled out, went onto the highway, and he was driving around. I was in his car driving around. We pulled back into the gas station. He opens up a... And this will always, this always um, sticks in my mind. He opens up a briefcase. Tells me, put my hand in it. I put my hand in, in this briefcase. He tells me, don't look. I don't look. I put my hand in the briefcase. All of my hallucinations stop. It is the weirdest thing. All of my hallucinations stop for that single moment. And now I'm thinking, okay, my dad is probably the next coming of Jesus. At this point, mm. you understand? Yeah. I am. I am there. Mm. I am. So my mind is like Matthew. You see, this is what I couldn't show you because if I showed you it, you would think that you're mad. You would think that your mind is gone So because all of this has happened I'm totally into it I'm totally into anything he says Anything my mind thinks I'm sold Because it seems as though my father understands what's going on But no one else does So we speak a little more He tells me to go home, relax myself Try to get, get you know, try to just relax And things should calm down I go back home absolutely ecstatic because I'm no longer hallucinating. Everybody looks normal. Everything's fine. And that is the moment, I think, where you get the highest peak off of your bipolar episode. Mm. I was in such a high peak. I basically went, I drove back home. My wife didn't even know I left. I drove back home, went outside, screamed out. I am Jesus Christ. The rain started to fall as soon as I said it. I know it sounds mad. It sounds ridiculous. Yeah. The rain starts to fall and I start screaming because I actually think that I've just become enlightened. Mm-hmm. For the rest of that day, I was just looping. Anything that happened, I can I, the, I can go into such a long discussion about it. You'll be here all day. So basically, after my massive break where I ended up going by um, seeing my father and and, and this whole scenario with the briefcase, my wife decided, hey, Matthew, I think, you know, best bet, let's just go and have you assessed at the um, psychiatric hospital known in Barbados as Black Rock. Right. That was the name of yeah, the institution? Black Rock. Black Rock. Because the, the area that it's in is called Black Rock. Okay. And the, the institution is known as Black Rock Psychiatric Hospital. And what I will say is when I got there, still out of my mind, and, and, and seeing other people who are not fully functioning, you assume that these people probably just went through the same thing you've gone through. And they know what's going on, but the society doesn't understand it. So the society's decided to house all these people to almost restrict them from telling the world the truth. You, you can understand how Your my truth. mind was, or my truth yeah. at that time. Yeah. So my mind is cycling on some different stuff. After... Because I first got assessed, they they said that um, I had a bipolar episode. Is this the first time that this someone is the first time you? This is the first time I've even heard that there was such a thing as bipolar. I didn't even know about bipolar until, until I was told this. I heard about schizophrenia, but I didn't know what bipolar was. I didn't know that there was such a thing, you know, that you can go up, have highs and lows and all of this kind of stuff. So being exposed to that, you know, it was obviously... A bit jarring, but in my mental state I'm thinking i'm right, everybody else has actually lost the plot, and they don't know what's going on, but I knew that I'm in a society, and even though I was a bit off my rock, I also understood that the society I am in I can't just think that I can just walk around and and and, and operate like this, so I allowed myself. To be assessed. I didn't fight it. You know, there are some people who go through a bipolar episode who fight with people because they think that they're right, and the people who are trying to help them are trying to stop it. Okay, right? That that's how you feel. But I said, you know what? I know I can't. I can't behave like this because this is Barbados, and and Barbados is we don't have. We're not as gentle. We're gentle, but we're not as gentle as say England. Or you know the Western countries when it comes to understanding mental illness. Are you, are you
0: saying that they'd rather hide the issue? They, they, they they're
1: they're, the they're a bit more put them you know yeah. hose them, yeah. drug them up, hope that, that it sorts itself out. If it doesn't, you just keep them on drugs, right? And you that, keep and and, yeah. and it's 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 a it's a bit of a cyclic process. And I'll, I'll get into that, but basically, I, I first. I got diagnosed with a bipolar episode. Was put on olanzapine, um, olanzapine, yeah, and sodium valproate and something else. Three very powerful um, psychiatric drugs. And at that point, I went home to with my family. I didn't go with my who would be my wife. How at the long time. was
0: you in the uh, institution?
1: At that time, I oh, when I first got assessed, they didn't even have space to keep me. I shouldn't, shouldn't. So I had to go home, and then I would go to a, a psychiatric um, doctor every other day and check in as just to see as an outpatient to see how my meds were doing. Mm-hmm. So did they help the medication? The, the medication, and this is the thing. This is where maybe the, the the concept of second chance comes in. I had to allow myself to be helped. And I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to giving yourself a second chance. A lot of people ask for second chances, but you have to be willing to take it and willing to recognize that this is the second chance coming. My mind was gone and I wanted to get it back. So when I first started taking my medication and first recognizing, okay, this is the opportunity for me to get my head level, I hated taking medication Because what would happen is that you would feel dull. Medication would kill every emotion you had. So instead of feeling excited or feeling super depressed or or freaked out, you wouldn't feel anything. And it is one of the strangest feelings to occur as a man, just as a human being, to not feel. You mean you just functioned? You just functioned. It felt as though, have you ever watched a, a film where you have the black lines at the top and the bottom? Yeah. That's how my life felt. Right. It felt as though I was looking at my life through a screen and there was a black line at the top and a black line at the bottom. That you couldn't get. And yeah. I couldn't get that black line moved right. and it didn't make any sense. And I just felt as though I was literally, I was waking up, I was eating, I was staring at the world, the world was staring back at me. And that was it. And because of that, I got off of my medication. I literally, I stopped taking it. And I looped again. As soon as I came off my medication, I went back through a massive um, bipolar episode. Ended up, like, walking the streets. <laughs> I went all the way down to my my old house in Town. I mean, that's, again, that's just a whole nother long... Um, Story. Your, your behaviour so, was, based on what you've described, Matthew was was erratic. But what
0: impact was it having on those closest to you, your wife and relatives?
1: Well, it became it became unsustainable because imagine you have your son or your daughter in the house; they can't go to work because their mind isn't there. You have to go to work, and you have to hope that when you get back, they okay and they haven't done anything that was what my mum, um my sisters my wife to be at because she wasn't my wife at the time joe but she was my, my my she was uh we were together that's what they were going through joe eventually because it got so stressful for her she flew back to england right but she was so concerned that she eventually came back um, to Barbados to help me. But for a period of time, she had to fly out to England because it was so, what I was saying, what I was doing, how I was thinking, it was just impacting everybody in in a very visceral way because not only am I going through a mental breakdown, but my sister, she has a daughter who has something known as hydrocephalus, which is water on the brain. So she... Is very mentally um, restricted. Best word to 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 say. So she can't talk. She can't really speak. You have to guide her to the bathroom, and she's fifteen years old. Mm. You know. So imagine my mum thinking, of, you know, I have my 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 daughter who has a child with a mental disability, and then my son is has lost his mind. Mm. So it. It, it had the family completely turned upside down. My mum and my dad didn't live together, so there wasn't that cohesion. My dad was a bit more flippant about it, and that really wound my mum up. So it, it, it just it, it caused the family dynamic to become really, really dark and almost slightly—I wouldn't say hostile—but it just it, it, it got it got bad.
0: I'm sure even. You you, you know, it must have been, as you've described, very testing. Where where did you find recovery? Um, Or or, if recovery is the right word, I don't know, (laughs) stability. I
1: I think the first thing would be stability. I needed to get stability. The stability came when I was put back into the institution, when I was institutionalized, that's the right word, the second time. Because I had another severe bipolar episode. My mum can't handle it. My dad said straight, just get him to the psychiatric hospital. I went and I stayed there for five weeks. And in those five weeks, for the first week, because when my mum came to visit me the first time and I was sat in the waiting area, I saw her and I ran towards her. And because I ran toward her, all of the doctors got concerned. So they snatched me and threw me into a cell. Right. So for the first week, I was in isolation. I've never been in isolation, and in isolation, in in these institutions, all I had was a mattress. In my a mattress, and do you know what a potty is? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I had to use a mattress and use the bathroom in the potty, and I had I was in there for a week, and in that week. Being isolated and recognizing that my life, which started off as being somebody who was singing, having gigs and kind of going through life the way I wanted it to go in a sense, you know, to falling all the way down due to my mental break, falling all the way down to being in in a holding cell where I, I didn't get released at all. For like three three days, I I was in there twenty four hours. I had no release, so it was it was like solitary confinement, mm. basically. You, I could smell. I, do you mind if I use an expletive? Mm-hmm. I, I I could smell my own shit mm. and my own piss mm. because you know they change it once a day, and I had to sit there in a mosquito ridden cell, peeing and shitting. In a bowl. And when that reality hit me, even though I was looping, that reality cut through more than anything else. I don't know if you can have a strong mind when your mind is broken, but I had a stronger will to unbreak my mind at that moment. I said, Matthew, this is foolishness. There is no way you're going to end up staying in a hospital, you are going to get out of it here. I use that. And the problem is, sometimes that strong will can backfire because it backfired earlier when I was taking medication Mm -hmm. and then I thought, and I came off of it because I was like, I don't want to be taking medication Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I do not want this to happen because this is what they were telling me, Mm -hmm. you know, in the hospitals. They, They said, you could end up having to come here every day for the rest of your life to fill up on medication. And I was like, no, that can't happen. So, but that strong will can sometimes be a problem. So I had, I had the will to not allow my brain to break me anymore. In this moment, while I was in 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 um in solitary confinement, when I came out of solitary, I was a a lot more relaxed. I was. Were uh, you back on the medication? I, I was. was- I, I was. You don't get off the medication, right? Okay. Right, because they will force you, right, okay. they, they will okay. force you if not, they will inject you and there are injections that they have that when you get injected by this you don't really come back mm. Barbados is one of these places where we are still trying to get a grasp as to how best to deal with mental health Okay. so some of the procedures may still be a bit archaic, okay. let's put it that way Okay. but I was on the mend, I was on the meds I made it made up in my mind, Matthew. You're going to have to get your head right. And from the time I got out of solitary, because it was only a week, I made it up in my mind. I'm not going to stay here for too long. And and the thing is, you always want to you always want to get out. As long as you're in, you want to get out. Mm. And I'm sure you understand that feeling, mm. right? Mm. As long as you're in, you want to get out.
0: How how long did you spend in there? In five the, weeks. Five weeks. But by the time, let's talk about when you were released. By the time you were, I say released, or I don't know. What I was, was,
1: I was just. I, well, I was released into the care of my of my family.
0: Right, and, and at that point, were you more in control of your condition? Yeah.
1: At say. that point, I was a lot more stable, but I still had this. Sense of not being able to fully feel, and that was due to the medication. Right. So, I when I got out, my family took me in, and then my wife. Oh, I, what I would say, and I need to make this. So, I, I need to make this point during my time, and this is the most important thing. And I think people need to understand this during my time in, while I was being. Um, Almost incarcerated in a sense. My wife flew back and she flew back for one week and she visited me every day. And every day I would tell her, You're a succubus. You know what's a succubus? No, it's, a succubus. it's a demon. It's a really? demon. I I you know, because I I'm thinking she caused me to, to lose my mind. Because I met her and then I ended up losing my mind. Right. Not knowing that there's so many things that Built up to that point, mm. right, but I kind of used her as a, right. a as, as an outlet of blame, which wasn't fair on her, but she, being the strong, sensible, beautiful woman that she is, recognized that that wasn't really where my mind mm. was. She recognized mm. that I wasn't in in full I wasn't in my senses, so I didn't understand what, fully what was going on. Mm. and she would come every day, visit me. The first few days, I was obviously distant. I was just very, I was very uh, blunt, wondering why is she here? Why are you here? But after a while, you know, just having somebody there and knowing that you can trust that that person is there is so important to making your mind and getting your mind back on track. It's a bit like a foundation. Mm. It's like a mental foundation that if all else fails, I know that I can trust this person yeah, to, keep, mm. to keep my mind straight. So when I did come out between my family, but mostly her, really helped mold, helped to mold me back into the person I am now. But it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't easy for the first couple of months. As soon as I came out, I cut all my hair off. I have locks again, right? But I cut all my hair off. Um, my wife, she, uh, Joe, she would carry me to the sea and I'd swim and swim. I put on a lot of weight while I was there. So I wanted to reduce the weight. So I started swimming again. One of the most important things is to keep active, to, to get yourself fit. Because when you, when you you when you are in a place like that where you feel nothing, you don't feel to do anything. You don't feel to want to do anything. You don't feel like anything makes sense doing. The whole world feels empty to you.
0: Is this part of the bipolar condition? Or I am not combination sh- This of- much,
1: I am not sure. I am not sure. This is, this is the thing. But this is why I want to speak so heavily on the actual experience itself. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people don't really... They, they they skim around the actual experience. Mm-hmm. They say, oh, how many people you would hear, oh, I might have a a, a bit of an ADHD issue, or I might have a a uh oh, I've been diagnosed as mm-hmm. bipolar. And they, they kind of are flippant about it nowadays. For me, I think people need to understand how hard it is to operate when you break your mind, when your mind says and does things. That you don't want it to do, but it's doing it and it's telling you that it's correct. And it
0: must be even more frightening. I say frightening because I can't think of another word to it, explain it must be even more frightening when you're aware of it. Yes. It sounds like there were times I was, that you this were is, aware of is like, why I, yeah, in the this isolation is, cell. This is why I'm so anxious.
1: this is why I'm so um animated right. about talking about it and sticking to uh, and kind of like describing it because I was very aware that I knew I my head was gone. I knew my mind was not there, but you can't stop it. Got no control. You have no control. So that's where the medication comes in. That's where the love and affection of a family yeah. and a wife comes in. That's where, and that's, I think all human beings have the capacity, if they want to take it, to make, if you have a second chance, you have the capacity to take it. You have to recognize that this is the second chance that you're getting. And I think you get second chances in all different scenarios, right? Because if you didn't, you'd be dead.
0: <laughs> what have you? What have you done with your second chance? So I mean, it sounds like you know you you slowly started to recover. Lost, yeah. By, grew your hair back, your locks back.
1: Got said, my like, locks back. You're still with beard. your 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 still wife with my wife. She's my wife now, right? right. She was, so that didn't break it. That Even didn't it break it. It was it was, it was it was massively tested, and it and it and it's testament to her. And her ability to be now she's she is an older woman, right? She's older than me, right? I'm I'm what thirty six now, right? And she's nearly twenty years older than me, right? Mm-hmm. Full 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 disclosure. And maybe her experience mm-hmm. is also what helped. But she was the right person at the time for the scenario for me to 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 to, to get myself out of it. Because I'll tell you this if it was just my family, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. Or I would have been, but it would have been even harder. Because of the 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 way in which the culture of the of 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 a is, and this is not an indictment on my country. I no, love my I, country. I
0: understand. It's but it's just it's just whole. Well, things it could are have done. been in Barbados. It could have been within the diaspora here in the it UK. It could be here exactly. It's just sometimes these stigmas are still. These not stigmas, I think more exactly. and more people are starting to recognise the issue of bipolar or other mental health issues, and we talk mm. about it regularly. I mean, it's Mental Health Month this month. Exactly, as, as you and I talk, and it's something that people talk quite openly about. I spoke Mm. to someone um, who is a businessman who does suffer from bipolar and he's made a whole, I wouldn't say business out of bipolar but he's made a business out of making people recognize the the, the the ups and downs that you've talked about yeah but but let me ask you this Matthew as we move on mm-hmm. you, you you obviously came out of that period and, yeah. and thanks to your wife but also the support of your family even though they you know it's really difficult you know and I understand that culture because half of my culture is Jamaican so I understand yeah, exactly. how difficult it is for that that culture but how did it shape the person you are today? I mean, obviously recognising that you have a condition that I'm sure you're still having to deal with in a, in, in many different in ways too. And, in
1: bits and bobs.
0: Okay. Uh, but, but what was you able to go on and do? Because you obviously
1: left Barbados because you're here in the UK. Yeah. So you was able to sort of... Uh, yeah, I was able life. to kick on, yeah. And I think that it comes with the recognition of understanding that you've been through something extremely traumatic and you've been given another opportunity and you just grab it with both hands and, and, and what I started to, to do after going through some, um, something like that was to just any opportunity that came. I said, you know, I'll do it. I don't think that that's a, it's not a normal thing to have in, in Barbados to have many opportunities. Mm. And again, a cultural thing. The small opportunities you have. Have you ever had the this idea, or have you not idea? Have you ever met a person who wants to get somewhere in life, and you give them a small opportunity, and they're like, "Man, I, am sh- not really sure. You know, mm-hmm. that's not really my thing. You know, it's it's a bit it's a bit out of my what I really want to do. What I really want to do is this, but you pushing me down this road, and it's it, it's similar, but mm-hmm. you know, it's not exactly what I want. My thing is, no, 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 no. Stick me anywhere. If it has to do with music, if it has to do with, well, no, a podcast or talking about myself, just getting myself out there, I'll do it. Because what losing your mind has taught me is how precious your mind is Mm -hmm. and how precious and how beautiful it is to have a coherent thought. To have the ability to just speak, sorry That's again, a, I get a little emotional it's weird Well, it's great that you do because it, it it's shows. weird i i'm no I'm not thinking about it right I don't whoa this was not supposed to happen. And these like are good, God, good emotions.
0: You know, the fact that you you talk uh, so passionately, so powerfully, and I love what you just said there, that you're able to take that experience and articulate it the way that you have, yeah. in the way that you have, and the fact that it's evoked emotions that draw you back to those memories. But you have so, made a success. You have made a success of your life what, because you've yeah. overcome one of the biggest challenges that, that you face. And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the trial and tribulations in terms of your mental breakdown, but the fact that that you were able to still come out of that with the marriage, yeah. the woman that stood by you, that you've been able to continue to do music. Because at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about the two beautiful songs yeah. that you created. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. For, I
1: haven't even seen my one, story, but one. But yeah, but, um, yeah it's... it's uh
0: But let me ask you this. What I I wanted to ask you, Matthew, uh, is you've talked very eloquently about, you know, embracing your second chance and and taking that second chance, you know, Uh and turning it the way that you want and that you're open to any opportunity because you relish the idea that you can now embark on these. What what does the future hold for you? And, And can I just in that question? Sorry, can I in that question? Are you still having to deal with? issues to do with your bipolar that sometimes hinders that
1: um i don't think i, I don't know if i've fixed it because even though I, I i think because of some of the medication i was on and i think just how hard i at my my mind went i find it i still find it difficult to to to, to articulate myself properly i have racing thoughts so that can have an issue where like just just in this podcast alone, I, I'm talking to you about something, but there are like three and four different thoughts telling me, yeah, you could put this in, you could put this in. Oh yeah, That's you remember normal. that? That's Did, and people do that all the that time. People do that all the time. But when you have a situation where you haven't trusted your mind, where you had a period where you knew that your mind mm. you couldn't trust, mm. you always there's anxiety is taking a TV, no, taking a camera in a studio. I'm pointing it to a television. Do you know what I mean by that? No, I don't. A camera in a studio mm. is f- taking in the footage, right? So it's, right? Capturing, so the it's capturing the footage and it's showing it out to a television. Right. Okay. Imagine taking that captured footage and pointing it back at the television itself. It creates a loop. Right. It's similar to if you have a mic and you put it, in front of a speaker the mic is now taking in what the speaker is, mm. and you get a mm. Whee mm. you get a feedback anxiety is feedback and that is what happens to my head when i'm sometimes when i'm when i am um, thinking of things how do you manage it then i, I don't know i'll are you, be so are you still honest. On medication? no you're i'm not, not medication. So you're managing it yourself i've managed it myself i've i've, I've made and maybe this might be a bad thing. I will not prescribe this to anyone, right? But in the period of time, it, t- it took me about a year and a half to get off the, of the medication. But I made up in my mind that I was going to get off of it, so I started taking a certain amount, and then I tapered, and I tapered on, I mm-hmm. tapered off. And that's how it's. Go- that's how I've been able to manage it in terms of oh, what life has has in store for me, um, and and the way in which I manage. Any episodes? now. Well, I've done a lot more with my music. I have. A, I now have a website. Ninety percent of my success, I will absolutely grant to my wife because she has helped push me. She's helped put me in scenarios for me to flourish. She's the type of person that, and I, I would love if you ever get a chance to meet her. She is like a manager of managers she can just manage anything and that's what I love about her she can manage anything and then she just says Matthew you go here I go there and I perform because now since I've I've come to England I do weddings I do um restaurants all different types of gigs I'm now doing a bit of a podcast talking about my uh, mental health I've been on another podcast before. It's a, small, a smaller one just, uh, doing to, to talk about artists and stuff like that and music. But all of these opportunities that I've had, like I, I would say about 80 to 90% of them have come through having a strong woman with me. And I think it is vitally important, especially when you're somebody who's going through mental um, health issues, that you have somebody who's there with you and who you can trust and that's how I was able to get myself a lot more successful
0: do you you know what's interesting and 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 um I admire the Mm -hmm. the the recognition that you've given to your fiance who became your wife and still do I I do admire the recognition but surely amongst that there's you you, you, for her to stay with you, it's not because she wants recognition. <laughs> but there is obviously a strength yeah. in you. Uh, 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 um, you know, it's not just being good looking with dreadlocks. Or, no, I or, think or it's not, also, yeah. All I'm saying mm. is that <laughs> I hope you recognise the strength within your own character That has also kept her there because she's been there for you, but no doubt in many ways you've been there for her as well, which is what's made your relationship, your marriage and your admiration for each other still be. Can I I be
1: so honest with you? I'm not a person and maybe this is my own fault that I have. I don't know my own strengths. I know my strengths in terms of music and in terms of singing and performing and being able to move people. But people describe certain things about me. Like, my wife, Just she thinks that I'm such a professional and good person. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know why you think that. But how to put this? I'm, I, I, I want to put this the right way, just, just so that you understand. It's like, I've never been a person who wanted to be arrogant. So because of that I don't give myself a lot of praise and maybe that's a good or a bad thing for I'm me, not
0: sure for me it's a good thing because I think the lack of our self recognition it's all about how you portray yourself what people see in you
1: not what yeah. you see in yourself people have because egos that interrupt. exactly you. exactly I, so that's a good I thing can't. so relish it because it is great when other But people it puts people me recognize. in problem but it puts me in problems because like there, there you would have like some people who have massive egos? Who are easy to talk to? Who you know they can they, you know mm. just off the their tongue, it's just so smooth. Mm. I'm I'm not that. I, I, know, and I, I recognize, think you underestimate yourself I, Maybe I do People. Pe- but that's
0: a strength I would argue that's a strength, Matthew The fact that you don't recognise that Is a strength As well as it is for those who have those egos No doubt yeah. they have their moments of darkness when. I've never
1: capitalised st- on those things And you, you know shouldn't I mean?
0: Because I think it just comes naturally It I, comes,
1: I, yeah, I, that's, that's come just me It naturally
0: And that puts you, I think, to some extent It puts you in a better position When you're trying to play up to something maybe yeah, I I,
1: I, yeah, I can't just, Yeah, I just feel awkward and I look awkward <laughs> are
0: you can, can I just make this my last question yeah, and ask course. you if you are content and happy where you are today in in your life doing the things that you do now obviously I know you have ambition everybody should have some ambition you know to be I'd say more successful in your music and in you know your life in general mm-hmm. I don't know maybe you're very content with where you are with your music and your life in general and you talk about your wife being the manager of your everyday existence, and it sounds like... Honestly, honestly. But, uh, but but are you content and happy now having been through such a trauma?
1: I'm really, really proud of myself. I mean, I talk up my wife a lot, right? And there's good reason, because I just, I, I love my wife, and I think she's phenomenal, right? <laughs> Nothing's wrong with that. But in terms of looking at myself, and if I had to talk up myself a little bit, I'm really pleased with... The ability that I had to not just recognize that I had a problem, accept that I had a problem and work myself out of it and be able to keep myself out of it and to move on and to have a successful life and to have a, a, a maybe like a story to talk about, uh, an experience, a one-off experience that is unique to myself. You know, because any mental, anytime somebody has a mental breakdown, it's unique to them. Mm-hmm. And the mental breakdown, a lot of the times reflects a lot of their inner issues and, and situations that have been going on in their life. So to go through something like that and to come out a stronger individual, stronger minded, stronger willed, I have music that, that I'll, I'll be releasing eventually. Where can people listen to that? They can. Well, it's not released as yet, but I do have a website called uk. That's where you get my bookings and 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 if you want to find out more about who I am. But I we will be building on that website a platform. Well, not would you call it a platform? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in order for you to come and listen to my music, do, do because I have I'm a, gonna...
0: an Instagram and Twitter. And I have an Instagram media.
1: as well. Um, it's Mister um, that's my Instagram handle Matthew Al- Singer Matthew Allman That's the that's how you have to put it in Singer Singer Matthew Allman in, On Facebook Because there's so many different Matthew Allmans okay. Well
0: what we will do at the end of this podcast yeah, And in the those, description those. we will put all the The details So anybody listening to this podcast If they want to check out your music And I intend yeah. to probably play a little bit of the song That you did about that me would be at great. the end of the podcast So keep listening everybody You can hear
1: well, Matthew, did you do realize me. I'm wearing this shirt, Pink right? Freud. It's going. Frank Freud. Do you know why? We won't, we're talking about mental health, yeah, so you got Freud, Freud yeah, here. Freud Secondly, does. the song that I did for you, the second the song, song was the second song was um uh, I'd never heard it. Before. Uncomfortably numb. Oh, uh, I'm really proud of, of of what I did on that um, because it it describes um a bit more about how I felt when I was going through my situation and how I thought you felt when you were going through your... um How how
0: can we, I suppose the question for me then, is how can we make that work? Because we have the audio. Mm -hmm. I can play a little bit at the end of this podcast for people to get a taste, but if they want to listen to the whole song, how can they? Because I don't know if there's a copyright issue around these songs because they're both recognised
1: songs. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I'm not really sure how... I think there may be a copyright issue just simply because I'm using their instrumental yes. track but yes. I've rewritten yes I've rewritten a lot of the words but I do use the. Instead of comfortably numb, I use uncomfortably numb. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be an yeah. issue. Maybe I, I, I ho- yeah, but but I, you know, I hope I hope um, Pink Floyd and the guys would would, would not be too bent out of shape. Sure, they wouldn't. No. You know, what I mean, and it's about, it's up, about yeah, exactly it's, it's about mental health. It's a nice little tune, yeah. you know. I, and if you have it available, I think you, you're also supposed to be doing some um some workshops. Yeah, Are you going to be doing things like that. We will be,
0: and um, you know, we will put it to the best use we possibly can. But what I will do is 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 link it so people can listen to it. That would, that would look, be great. Very impressive. look,
1: I will link it as well, so people can 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 is give it on a Your listen.
0: website or or anywhere? Because if it, I I put the website details at the end of the episode, then people can click on that, go to your website, and then they could listen to the
1: the, the tracks. The website has only been uh, up. For now, I think probably a month. Okay, so there is some of your music on there. Yeah, so there is. So you still can. You can go and um, you can check the website out. If you want to check out any more of my music, I will be putting it also on SoundCloud, so you can check it out there. And can people? Have you got any gigs coming up? Any events coming up? Those you can find on my Facebook. They have a we we have a list of the gigs. I'm also going to be in Barbados because this. um, Yeah, I'll be in Barbados. Over the um, holiday period and I'll be doing performances there and then I'll come back to England and I will be back performing in Windsor. So if anybody's around in Windsor or Maidenhead area, they can come and check me out. You can find me on my Facebook singer Matthew Allman that has all of the details as to where my performances are. But again, my in terms of my original music, that isn't fully established as yet. Simply because, as you said, copyright issues and um, just building the website to make sure that it can um, house music. And because some websites allow it, some don't. So we have to get around that. But um, there there, you will be notified. Just uh, follow me on Facebook or on Instagram. And when my music is out, you will definitely be notified. If you are more interested in it, if you hear it from a podcast with, with Raphael, you can just directly um get in contact with me and we can uh you can go from there and I could make it more available to people
0: well i encourage people to matthew thank you so much for sharing your story thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing the songs that you did. I mean, it is a powerful story, um, but thank you for sharing your story. And um, I do encourage people to go to your website, listen to your music and support you. And I wish you all the success in your career as a musician, because you do have talent, as does many people. It's just the right person, the right opportunity to recognize, to give you that break that you want. (laughs) Not that you're not already doing that. So thank you so much for sharing. your. Thank you very
1: much, Raphael, for having me. And uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the story. Yeah, thank you so much. See you soon.
0: Unfortunately, due to copyright reasons, we can't play the soundtrack we talked about during the interview. But if you want to have a listen to Matthew's incredible voice, please visit his website. The details and links are in the show notes that accompany this episode. Matthew's ability to manage his bipolar condition without medication is a sign of real determination and awareness. Not allowing his mental health condition to stand in the way of his desire to keep on making music also shows how it is possible to live your life the ways you want to and not allow it to be completely dictated by a mental health condition. If anyone listening to this feels they need to check in on their mental health Please go to the show notes about this episode and at the end of those notes, you will find a link to Mind, an organisation where you can find out more about the kinds of advice, support and help you can get for mental health problems. Please share this episode with your friends and family and colleagues and follow the show for updates about new episodes by just clicking on subscribe. Your support really matters. You can also be a part of this podcast by rating... And reviewing what you've heard and tell us what you think. More importantly, tell others what you think by leaving some comments and feedback. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy Second Chance podcast. Audio editing is by Audio Avalanche. The original music is by J-Road Productions. The cover design work is by Studio Minerva. Our social media creator is Sophie Warner. This episode was produced by Second Chance Podcast and me, your host, Raphael Rowe.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.